check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig and Tim. Guys, what's going on? Well, uh, unfortunately, right now my uh, my wife is has COVID, so I'm staying away from her. Uh, so I'm in here in quarantine, so just hanging out, watching college basketball, hoping not to get sick. Um, so that's really what I got. Nothing, nothing too, uh, nothing too crazy on my end. Yeah, for me, it's mostly been football, college basketball. Got to go to the DePaul game, which was a lot of fun to see a a St. John's game again and a victory on top of that, and then getting a, a lot of time with my daughter this uh, past couple of days, which has been a blast. I forgot yeah. about the DePaul game. Sorry about that. I forgot. I, that was feels like a feels like a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, I was at the DePaul game too. Good, good point, Tim. Yeah. Well, there was a person who was not at the DePaul game. I was uh, not. I was not. I was not at the DePaul game. I was in sunny Jamaica where it was eighty five degrees, and I was sitting on the beach. I watched the game. I ran out of my high speed internet because I was watching the game without without Wi Fi because couldn't watch it on Wi Fi, but. Uh, you know, I got to watch it while sitting on a beach chair, drinking a drink. Tough life. Tough life. Yeah, it was a tough yeah. past five days uh, in good old Montego Bay. But uh, now I'm back, and it's 22 degrees today, and that's awful. But uh, you should have worn your same sh- same outfit from Jamaica. See how that fared. Yeah, definitely, definitely wouldn't. Have, the shorts, the bathing suit, and the short sleeve shirt wouldn't have worked. So well. come on, come on. Sorry, you know. If you have enough, to be honest, if you have enough drinks, it's fine. That's true. I didn't have enough drinks today because I had to work. But uh, in in Montego Bay, I had enough drinks for everybody. <laughs> Me and my wife had a great time, and now we're back to reality, and that's unfortunate. But we got St. John's to talk about, so life's good. Last week, even split, a win and a loss. The Paul game, eighty nine to eighty four victory for the Johnnies. We also had the Providence game where we unfortunately fell to the number sixteen team in the country, eighty three to seventy three. So let's take a look back at that DePaul game, 89 to 84, St. John's win last Wednesday. Julian Champagny led the way with 34 points. He led all scorers. Dylan Adewusu, 17 points as well. For DePaul, their leading scorer was Freeman Liberty with 24 points. And, you know, this was the performance we were looking for from St. John's. You can't be upset. Julian Champagny put on a show, 12 of 22, 16 rebounds. A day Wusu, eight assists. I mean, just great all around for for us. Really not much to complain about at all. Turned DePaul over 16 times, which I guess is below our average, but still a great number. Uh, we were out rebound uh, 44 to 40, but you know, this is the performance this team was looking for. This is the bounce back game they needed, and they showed up. Yeah, I think. Um coming off a long COVID pause. Um, it was, first of all, it was great to, to be back, to see, um, to see a game in person. Um, and, and the crowd was loud. It was into it. It wasn't a huge crowd, um, but it was, you know, a lively crowd. You, you know how we can get, uh, like Carnage Sector, especially we, we tend to, to be much louder. Um, so it was a good performance. You could see there were some lingering COVID effects. I felt like guys, uh, we're a little tired, which let DePaul hang around a little bit longer than we probably would have liked. Um, the only thing, I, you know, if you want to nitpick, not even nitpick, but the thing that was a little worrying was the free throws, which has become a theme. Um, the free throws were not good, and that also allowed DePaul to hang around. Um, but overall, look, it was a home opener. We started off with a win. That's not something that we can usually say at St. John's. So I think it was the first uh, Big East opening day win five years, I believe, I think they said. Uh, so that's so that's certainly something. So certainly it was a good night. It was a good night on Wednesday night. Well, with this team, it, we were missing three guards, which definitely put a lot more pressure on Posh, who you could see like probably about five minutes into the game, he just looked gassed. And I don't know what happened at that point. He it, it, he ended up kicking it back in, but he just looked sluggish at the beginning. I'm not sure if he caught COVID and had lingering effects that it just didn't really kick in until a little bit later, and then he got a second win. 
but it, he looked a little sluggish at the beginning. Uh, Coburn, uh, Pinzone, and Steph Smith were all out. Uh, Nywe was playing with a mask because he just got eligible. He didn't practice all week. And the guys, we know they didn't technically have a pause, but they were practicing the whole time, but the whole team wasn't practicing. So I'm not surprised we were that sluggish. The free throws, I was surprised. We were usually about 70%, 71% free throw shooting team. And to see us go at 56%, especially see, even though Julian had a monster night, six for 10 for him, he's usually an 8% free throw guy. So that's really shocking too. Yeah, and I also, though, for Julian, speaking of those free throws, I believe, and I could, I could be wrong about this, this is my recollection from watching it, um, I think he missed early, and then down the stretch when it was important, because the ball was hanging around, I think he made six of six down the stretch. And that also points to just the monster night, like you said, that that Julian Champagne had, that Julian Champagne can have to show um, who he is. I mean, 34 points. Uh, 17 rebounds, I believe. 16, 16, uh, 16. 16, 16 rebounds. Um, three blocks, three blocks. I mean, he was everywhere, and he would not, he would make sure that, that no matter what happened, we were coming away with a win in game number one. Just to go back to free throws for a minute, free throws has been a real issue for us. We're only 66% on the year, and it's something that has it happened in the Providence game, which we'll get to later on. But it, we tend to not do great from the line, which is not something normal for a Mike Anderson team. So hopefully that's something we're going to work on. Now, Nywe, I give him a credit because he was wearing the mask, still came in and got two blocks, hell of a time to see. And, you know, Posh didn't start, still had 16 points. I know he looked a little bit sluggish, but six of 15 is not terrible from the field. And he still had four assists. So he hit, hit some three-pointers, which he hasn't been doing, which is important. True. He's got to make six. those three-pointers. Yeah, and he, he cramped up. He also cramped up, so mm-hmm. that was definitely bothering him. Yeah, I mean, he was sluggish at game. He was sluggish, like you said, at a certain point. But actually, it seemed like it's funny in the second half he like picked up. It was almost like he was saving it for the second half. In the second half, it was regular posh. There was really no uh, didn't look like he was slowing down at all. Um, he looks a little slow in the first half, but once he was back in the flow of it, he was he was flying around the court doing what doing what Posh Alexander does. I have to say, someone who who stepped up big. I mean, Soriano stepped up big. Nine rebounds from him is great. And Ade Wusu has just eight assists. He has come on so well. And, I mean, he's a guy who you expected to kind of be that third guy possibly for us. Uh, but he's really stepped out recently. Uh, and it's really just poured it on as being, as continuing even after the pause, you know, the steady, consistent hand that he's been. And, and Wusu, Ade Wusu, I should say, um, he hit the the dagger of the three. I mean, it was a it was a three point game down with a minute to go, I believe. Um, and he had the ball, and time was running out on the clock. And he took one of those shots that we all know he takes. Sometimes he gets he gets the eye. You, you see him dribbling, you know it's coming. You, you're like, oh, he's gonna shoot. It. He's gonna shoot it. And it's not necessarily one you want. Because <laughs> I heard a bunch of people in the crowd going, no, 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 oh yes, yes, yes. And they, as he drilled the three. And he hit that three with, you know, seconds to go and made a six-point game. And at that point, you know, that really sealed the deal for us. So, like you said, Vincent, he um, he really did a – he really has been stepping up. And eight assists is, is great. I mean, that's, that's what exactly what we need out of him. And only three turnovers. So, that's um, another important key for him because um, if he's going to be, be uh, handling the ball a lot, we don't want him to turn it over. We can't have that. 55% from the three-point range for us, 10 of 18. That's great. When St. John's is shooting that well – and Champagne is on like he was against the Paul. This team is a force to be reckoned with. This is a team that can be a problem for a lot of people because, you know, Julian had 34 points and he was a large part of the threes, four for seven. But Posh doing three of six for three, a day Wusu two of four, those are numbers that boost up St. John's scoring and it's going to keep us in games against teams we may not be in necessarily. And, you know, when Champagne, this is the game where Champagne looks like the player that we know Julian Champagne is 34 points, 16 rebounds, three blocks. This is the Julian Champagne that we expect to be the best player on our team, you know, and contend for being the biggest player of the year. When he plays like this, this team can go really far. 
I mean, he dom- he just do- dominated the game in every facet. Um, he was all over the court. He just, you know, it was it's a tremendous performance. It's one of the it's a great performance, probably the best performance he's had in his career in a single game. Um, but it was amazing. One of the guys that was kind of statistically quiet in this game, but was a little foreshadowing of what was coming for the next game was Wheeler. He did make he was one for one from his three. He had a block, had a steal, had five points, three rebounds. Not huge statistics, but he started to look a little more confident in this game, which definitely helped for the Providence game. Yeah, he played some he played some good defense too, gave us some good minutes, which is important. Uh, and like you said, Tim, I think that's a good point. Uh, it led him well into the into the Providence game. 34 points was a career game for Julian Champagne. So it is the best game he's ever had. Going back to Wheeler, though, really good point, Tim. You know, he had five points here, and then he built on that in the next game. We'll talk about that a bit when we get to Providence. But, you know, like like we've talked about so much with this team, there's ups and downs, right? At each night, there's a different guy who could pop up and be that boost that you need. You don't know where it's coming from, uh, and sometimes it's not enough to get you over the, over the hill and win. But every night it's a different guy who could be that guy. And I think that makes this team, if they're able to put it all together in the end, really a team that has a high ceiling because there's too many guys out there to cover everybody, right? If, if tonight Coburn and Wheeler are on with the consistency of Alexander and Champagny, you know, you, you now have to decide which one of those guys you're going to cover. And it can it get be real messy if two of those guys all of a sudden on the same night pop up. You know, there, there's just not enough teams that have as many players who can all of a sudden be the star on their team to compete with that. Spoken like a true St. John's fan. Yeah. You know, you know, that's, that's our, that's our motto. The Kool-Aid right is always delicious. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting when Pinzone comes back because he's a 40% three-point shooter. We're hot from the three. It would be great to have him back, especially at 6'5 guard. Yeah, and he was playing well um, prior to that, so it'll be good to have him back. Hopefully he's back soon. The highs are high and the lows are lows. That's St. John's life. That's the, that's the motto we live by, whether <laughs> we want to or not. Well, let's take a little bit dip down to the low. We'll move on to the Providence game. Not the outcome we were looking for, 83-73 to 73 loss in the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. The Friars coming in 16 in the country. Just to give you some numbers on the game, Ade Wusu led the way with for St. John's with 20 points. Aaron Wheeler, big game, best game so far as, as a Johnny, 15 points. Posh Alexander had 14. Champagny, not a great performance coming off the 34-point game, only 11 points. Nate Watson led all scorers with 22 points. The Friars also had Minia and Durham, both score of 13. We were out-rebounded again, 40 to 36, not too bad. But the turnover game was really the, the numbers we're looking at. It was a plus six turnover ratio for St. John's. We turned them over 18 times. This is a team that typically only turns the ball over 11 times in the Friars. So, you know, those are pretty good numbers. We, we did our job there. We just missed in some other spots, which is why we didn't come away with the victory. I mean, free throws was our biggest problem in this game and not just our shooting. It was how many free throws they got to take. They got 13 more free throws than us, and they made 86% of those free throws. So right there, that's 10 points. Yeah, and that's a huge – the free throws were a huge problem. Um, They got a lot of them, got some home cooking, as uh, as we all know. Um, but you know, overall, we still have to make our free throws, regardless of any of that. We missed far too many free throws, and the other big thing for us was three point the three pointers. We really didn't make a lot of three pointers. We missed a lot. We were, I think, four for twenty two, something five, like that. But yeah, five for twenty two, um, which is not where we need to be. Champagne was over eight from three. That's a very uh, unjulian like night. Um, so you know, after he, as they're such a great performance against Paul, he really never got comfortable in the Providence game. You can see it. He just he, he never settled in. Um, and, and I don't know what it was, but he just he, he really was not a factor in this game, which is never good for us. Um, like as Vincent said, looking at the numbers, this is a game. The frustrating thing about this is 
you're going on the road, you're playing number 16s in the country, Providence. Um, that's a tough game. That's not, look, we have to win some of these games, but that's not a game that you're, it's going to kill you if you lose. The, the problem for us and the frustrating thing, which I think we all of us, all the St. John's fans feel, um, is that it's a game that we could have won. It, it was right there for the taking. Um, Horkley really did not shoot well for three from them, which is tough. We got them to turn the ball over. We were right there. The, it, was t- for, it was there for the taking, and we didn't take it. So that's really the frustrating part for us. It's not that it's a game that's going to kill us, but it's a game that we could have had, and we need to win some of these games. If we're going to make the tournament, we have to start winning some games that are tough, and that's a tough game. And it's, it sucks that we didn't come away with it. It really, really hurt. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. I mean, we, we, were, we had the lead in the second half. You know, th- this is mm-hmm. a game that was in our reach and, and we didn't come up. Providence is a team that is kind of ripe for us to beat. They only play seven guys. They sh- didn't, they shoot shot terrible from three point range in this game, which isn't consistent for them, but okay. They, do tur- they don't turn the ball over a lot normally, but they also don't turn teams over a lot. So they're going to lower, you know, that's a weakness for us. They're a team you know, who we can beat, which is, I agree with Craig, like you said, why it's so frustrating. Not only did we were in a place to beat them, this is a team we know we can beat. We look at them and we say, this is, we could get this game. And it just fell apart in the end. Well, with Usu and Wheeler having eight turnovers combined, it's, I could say there was one deep pass by Usu that was an attempt to cherry pick that got picked off. And then I think it was Wheeler was trying to throw to Wusu and got picked off. He threw a bullet instead of lobbing ahead. Now that's us trying to take advantage of the game, but we have to make sure we're doing the right thing when we're passing, especially a cross-court pass like that. Now, Wheeler did go three for three from the three-point line, which is the best I've ever seen him shoot. He looked confident. and. I mean, someone need to look confident because combined for Mathis, Posh, and Julian, we were 0 for 13 from the three-point line. Yeah, that's, that's not going to get it done. You, you don't expect that. Uh, Posh, 2 for 6 from the free-throw line. I've never seen so many balls just rim out for him. He's just – it's either he's in the worst luck he's been in for the free-throw line or he's gone full Nordine Lindsay and just he's lost the ability to shoot a free throw at the moment. We've been living and dying with the three pointer though. I mean, we shot twenty two of them. We only made five. If you're making threes and you're shooting threes, that's fine. If you if we're going to be a team that live and dies with the three, that's fine. But then we're going to result in games like this where we die with the three. You go five of twenty two. You got to really reconsider whether you want to play a game where you're living and dying with three pointers. Well, I think that's just terrible. Sorry. I didn't mean to jump in there, but I, what I, the part of it and part of that high three point number, I think was in the second half, um, Ed Cooley and Providence switched to a zone. And, um, but, but there's ways to work around a zone. It's not a guarantee that you're going to shoot a lot of threes. And like you said, Vincent, we're not shooting well on threes. We need to figure out how to break that zone. We have to adjust. And I think we settled for a lot of bad shots. And at critical moments in the game, we took some shots that were very head scratching. And you know, part of it was the zone we couldn't get, we didn't get into it, whatever the case may be. But we took some bad shots. And when that compounds, that becomes a problem. And all of a sudden, you know, a three-point lead becomes a seven-point lead, and that's a much harder hill to climb. Um, so I think that's probably the high three-pointers. And if we're not making them, that's a problem. Um, and they switched to the zone, and we didn't adjust. And that's. I think with I think with the very first uh, time they actually brought the zone out, I think we just completely destroyed it. Got a pass down to Wusu, who passed it to Wheeler, I think, for a dunk. Yes, and then we and then right after that, we gave up on breaking through. Yeah, we weren't able to do it after that. There's no team in the Big East I hate as much as Providence, so losing to them always sucks. Especially giving Ed Cooley is what was his three hundredth one, three hundredth, just yeah. I have a, there's a there's a strong dislike for for Providence on this end. I, I yeah I can't do it, which makes me even more upset than when they win. Uh, uh, the the one thing I was surprised about was we saw Wusu 
early on in the first court, uh, first half, he took an elbow from Watson. Watson, Nate Watson throws elbows all the time into people's chest, but he's usually doing it against Big E centers who will take the hit and the rest usually let it go. Wushu took one to the chest, looked like he got hit with a, a freaking freight train, slid back, but then they called every foul they could on Joel Soriano. So I, I just don't understand some of the ideas that the, the refs will be like, oh, against Watson, let, let him play, let him play. Oh, you touched his arm. Foul. And that definitely was a, definitely played an impact because Soriano, to his credit, did I think did a good job on, on Watson and, and we and him and Wheeler and and Stanley. They yeah. actually all did a pretty good job on Watson. I mean, Watson really struggled in the first half. Uh he didn't do well in the second half. So I got into foul trouble right away. Um, back-to-back plays. Back-to-back possessions for Providence. Right. Fallon Soriano, St. John had a possession, came back down. Fallon Soriano again. Right. And I took him out of the game. And, and, and that's when 12 Watson, seconds into yeah. the second half. Right. Foul again. And then Watson and then Watson dominated after that. And so I think there's some positives to take out of this was Wheeler's play. I think the big men played really well. Soriano played well when he was on the court. Um Stanley gave us really good minutes. I love Stanley, so you know that's me. Um, but he he actually played really well defensively, and he got some good shots. And I I almost wish he had more time. I don't know why we went away from him when we did. He was playing good defense and and doing the little things. And against Watson, you got to throw bodies at him. I mean, first Stanley, he was watching him fight for a position against Nate Watson was a lot of fun to watch. It was more fun than what was happening at the point at that point. And the unfortunate thing was one out of three times, they get down to Watson and he just destroy him because he just had too much size against him. And he, his touch around the rim is amazing. And There's also no team, in, no other team in college basketball who misses more layups than St. John's university. Yeah. You, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a team in the past 20 years who missed as many layups or balls that were rolling off the rim than St. John's. It's absolutely incredible. I think my positive takeaway from this game is Adewusu killed it. I mean, he's been on a roll, and he kept it going. Five assists, seven rebounds, 20 points. Our assist-to-turnover ratio is great. 14 assists, 12 turnovers, and we turned them over. We turned them over 18 times, and this is a team that I said before only averaged 11 turnovers. So we did our job there. Adewusu did his job. We did our job with the assists. We missed with free throws and three-pointers. And that's that's why we lost the game. I think if we clean up our free throws, get back to shooting around 70, 72% from the line, like we usually are with an Anderson team, and you really can't expect Julian to go 0 for 8 from the three-point line. That's not him. So I would suspect that that's one of the things they're working on is their free throws right now. Anderson does like his team to shoot well from the free throw line, so... I'm expecting some good practices right now, especially now we got team practices happening and we got a nice little gap over here. So hopefully we're ready for the next game. Look, it definitely was not the outcome we wanted on Saturday. Um, frustrating is probably the biggest word I would say. That's my word for the day on that on that game because uh, I felt like we could have had it. But the sky's not falling yet. Um, it's We're still only one and one in the Big East. There are lots of games left to play. Let's not uh let's not pack it up and, and head out yet. Yeah, we lost to a ranked team at their home court and playing at Providence is no walk in the park. All right. So we're joined by Mr. Big East himself, John Fanta. John, it's great to have you on. Vince, it's great to be with you and a pleasure to be with you guys. We're right into the heart of, of conference play. Such a fun time of year. And it's terrific to be talking Big East basketball. So there's four teams in the Big East ranked right now. UConn receiving votes. Who's the next team you think could jump into the rankings for the, for the Big East? Well, I think that Connecticut is obviously the most likely candidate. But I will go beyond that just to, to, to paint a better picture of the league's depth. And the team that I think has a chance to make a real run is Marquette. They have won their last three games. They do not rely on one single piece to be great. This is a team in the Golden Eagles that has depth. They defend at a high level, and they play with plenty of tempo. 
I like Daryl Morsell, the Marquette, uh, the Maryland transfer, who has really found a new dimension of his game under Shaka Smart. Tyler Kolek, a George Mason transfer, A-10 freshman of the year last year. He powers that backcourt as a point guard. He, he doesn't look like a high-impact player when you see him step on the court, but I like the way that he performs. He, he performs better than what you see at first, and I love that guy, a real gym rat. Then they have Justin Lewis and Kirk Queth. Kirk Queth is a transfer, guys, who has stepped into this program with Marquette and done a terrific job of protecting the rim. He's one of the top shot blockers in the Big East Conference. Shaka Smart has this team getting better. You are seeing a motivated Shaka Smart, a Shaka Smart who was doubted in his exit at Texas and who now has this team playing with a chip on their shoulder. They have Seton Hall on Saturday. If they win that game, and that's four straight wins, they have power conference wins. They beat Illinois earlier in the season. They beat West Virginia. They beat Ole Miss, too. Like, I think that the Marquette Golden Eagles have a chance here to be a team that gets on people's radar. I think they're kind of on the radar, but they could be a team that, if they could beat Seton Hall Saturday, you're telling me they don't deserve some some sort of recognition or, or could be argued as a top 35 team? And if you're a top 35, top 40 team, you're going to get a couple of votes. There's yeah. there's an opportunity for them. For, I mean, they had a big win over Providence. They're coming off that. Now they've seen Hall, and then they go to Villanova. If they're, You're absolutely right. They get a win at Seton Hall, and then they're going into that Nova game with some confidence. And Chaka Smart's a great coach. I mean, he showed it at VCU. You know, you like you said, Texas was a little disappointing, but you never know what could happen. Hopefully, uh, you know, by the time they play us, which is some time now, they, they calm down a little bit and St. John's is able to overcome them. But I was surprised to see them so lowly rated at the beginning of the season because Shaka has always been a good coach where he's gone. I mean, he struggled a little bit at Texas, but, um, you know, it's good coaching matters. So, I, you know, it's good for them that they're, they're, showing, they're showing really oh. good promise this year. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that the fact that Shaka Smart is picked ninth in any league, I don't care who's on the team. Yeah, like Absolutely. That, that was a that was bogus preseason selecting, so they're they're the real deal. They're going to make the NCAA tournament. That team will find a way to get to ten and ten in this league and could win a Big East tournament game. I think they're they're that good. And here's the thing: first year head coaches in a league are able to have an advantage because not every coach in the Big East is as accustomed to preparing for their style. Like for Kevin Willard and Seton Hall now going to Marquette Saturday, they got to play at DePaul on Thursday get on a bus Friday morning, drive to Milwaukee. They have one overnight to get ready for yeah, Mark. Yeah. That's a that's tall a, pass. Tall that's, pass. A great, that's a great point. Actually. That's a really good point. That is, that's tough scheduling. So speaking of tournament, the NCAA tournament, how many teams do you think are going to make it from the big East? Yeah, I think that it's a six bid league, potentially seven. The seventh could be in Dayton or right on the fringe, but I think it's definitely a six bid conference. Villanova is going to go dancing. Xavier is 12 and two. They're not getting enough respect. Uh, they're ranked 17th. That team has six guys averaging seven and a half points per game or more. They have an incredible balance. They've had seven different guys lead them in scoring in a game this season. That's really hard wow. to do. You guys wow. follow the sport closely. It's not often teams have the potential to have seven different leading scores. Oh, that's, in, yeah. yeah. So I like Xavier quite a bit. That's two. Providence is going to go. They beat Texas Tech, who just beat Kansas and Baylor. That win is now invaluable. Right. Seton Hall's going to go. Their resume is really strong. Great win over Connecticut. Connecticut's going to go. So that's five. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Who who am I missing right now? I think, that Cray- I think that Creighton and Marquette are both teams that are more than capable of going. I think one of them will get in with the potential for two. So obviously off the list is our Johnnies, but it's been a rough season. It's been a season of up and downs. Uh, this team is a younger team. Uh, but which which team in the Beast do you think this St. John's team matches up best against? Wow. Which team in the Big East do I think this Johnny's team matches up best against? I think that they match up well with Creighton because I think they can get Creighton going up and down. And I don't know if Creighton would be as maybe as comfortable uh, with a freshman point guard, Ryan Nemhart. I think that's a tougher game for the Creighton Blue Jays. Who else do they match up well with? I don't think they match up well with Xavier. I think Xavier's happy to score with them. Providence showed that they could match up with the Johnnies, but I think the Johnnies will get Providence back in New York. Mm, I don't think, love to. <laughs> I don't think yeah. St. John's can expose Seton Hall. 
you know, can how does St. John's match up with Villanova? Maybe okay. You know why? Villanova doesn't have size. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like it's not like Providence who can feed it down to Nate Watson. I'll tell you who I think St. John's matches up worst with. Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say Marquette actually, just with how they handled uh the Mountaineers. Good point. But the thing is, I don't know if St. John's gets phased by a team that also presses. Mm. I, I get scared if I'm St. John's because how the hell am I stopping Adama Sonogo? And it's a valid point. And I don't know, I don't know how comfortable St. John's can feel going up against that physical of a UConn team. If UConn is knocking down shots, like St. John's is playing teams thinking, ah, we'll trade buckets sometimes. Like right. if you score, we're okay with that. We're betting on our pace beating you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. UConn, absolutely. UConn's going to say, we're going to put you in the blender, St. John's. You need to beat us in a rock fight in stores. I don't know if I like the same. I don't know if I like the Johnny's chances in that type of the game. Yeah, we definitely got to speed them up if we want any chance of winning. If we don't speed them up, I mean, for us, you, like you said, it's all about pace. If we don't get the pace going, that's why, like you said, half court teams can struggle. We can really struggle. We struggle with we struggle with Georgetown lots of times. They a lot of times have a big size and they run the clock down, and that's that's not what we need to do. We need to speed people up and make them make mistakes. And like you said, we'll give up baskets, but. Right back I mean, down that, that's court. how Providence was able to pull away, right? I mean, they, they just got Watson involved and took over a half court and we couldn't keep up. So we spoke about who we struggled with. We spoke about who we thought would be best. You know, this St. John's team is building. It's a younger team because it's a lot of transfers and a lot of movement. You think there's an outside shot this team puts it together at the end of the season and makes a push for the tournament? Or you think maybe it's a next year look for the Johnnies? Well, it can't come at the end of the season. It's got to come right now. Yeah. You got to be, first off, I'm not anticipating that they're winning at Connecticut. If they lose at Connecticut, the sky is not falling. They're, yeah. They need to come back and beat Georgetown. Mm-hmm. And then let's, let's just take a look at, at what they've got coming up. I think they got to get a split with Seton Hall. They have got to be able to piece together um, a win over Villanova. They have to do it. They've got yeah. to beat Villanova one time to really get on people's radar. I don't think that this is a team that the season is, is in free fall mode. I think that they got beat by a really good Providence team and a tough Providence team at their building. Right. People have not given Providence enough respect this season for whatever reason. The fact is they're 14 and two. Yeah. Like, like folks, it took them forever to get ranked. We always in New York, we always get on coaches for, for, for saying that they're better than they are. Your record is what you are. They're 14 and two. So for me, like, I, I do think the key game for St. John's coming up is the game at Creighton next Wednesday, because mm-hmm. let's, let's say they go one and one this week against UConn and Georgetown. You go into that Creighton game. You really need a win to turn your season. in. so if they're 10 and five, if they get that win, then they've got momentum going in the MSG game against Seton Hall next week is St. John's week. Th- that's their chance to turn a corner. They have got to start to piece this together now. They cannot wait. They cannot wait for it. Yeah. Also, scheduling-wise, after that Creighton game, it's it's Seton Hall two two times within sixty hours of each other. Then at Villanova, and then home against Providence again. That that much talent back to back to back. You, you're going to need that Creighton game absolutely. And that's a def- that's a positive outlook. That's going to be a defining stretch for us. Like you said, John, that week is going to be massive for us. How we yeah, turn out that I, week. I, I don't think this team's losing at the garden to Georgetown this year. I'm not going to sit here and fault them for losing a game to, to Connecticut, but you got to start to piece some quality wins together. So that's why to me, that game at Creighton is a prime opportunity to grab a win. And you do have experience. Creighton has Ryan Hawkins. After that, there's kind of an unknown with that team. Like you've got to capitalize at some point away from home and in a quality position. So Creighton and Marquette are the prime chances for St. John's to get road wins in the Big East this season. So now we've talked a little bit about the Big East as a whole and, you know, St. John's end of the season here. Which Big East team do you think is going to go furthest in the tournament this year? Great question. I'll tell you what. I will sit here and say that there are three teams, in my opinion, that are all capable of making the Sweet 16. And from that point on, it's all draw dependent. 
I think Villanova is a team that that's going to be there. Three of their four losses have come to UCLA, Baylor, and Purdue. They should have won one of those games. Should have yeah. won. They didn't. They'll be a better off team because of it. They'll be a better mm-hmm. off team because Plus, of it. Never bet. Never bet against uh, Jay Wright. Jay Wright. Wright. I couldn't think of his name for that. Yeah, never bet against Jay Wright, regardless. Right. So for me, I like Villanova. Guys, I think Xavier's the real deal. Um, the, again, the offensive balance. They have a one-two punch in their front court with Jack Nungy, who played with Luca Garza at Iowa, and Zach Fremantle, a junior who continues to take steps forward. And guys, Paul Scruggs back for a fifth year. He's refusing to lose. I really like their upside in the NCAAs. I really do. And they've got some young guards who are intriguing. And then the third team, I would say, is the Seton Hall Pirates. You know why? They defend. They defend the hell out of you. And if they get this version of Kadari Richmond with Bryce Aiken, watch out. The Hall is dangerous. UConn knocked down 14 threes on Saturday and out-rebounded Seton Hall by 15 and lost. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great point. Seton Hall is the real deal. Vince, we covered the Hall closely for a period of time. We have, we have. They always, they always seem to not be able to finish. True. This team knows how to win close games. That's a great trait to have come March. It's, it's only, you know, the most important trait to have in March, right? How many times do you see teams who should be there but can't finish and they find themselves falling out? So let's talk about you a little bit. Now we talked about, you know, your time at Seton Hall, obviously. Um, what's your favorite arena in the Big East to go to? <laughs> well, um, Providence is 10 and 0 inside the Dunkin' Donuts Center when I call games there. <laughs> so I guess because I don't get yelled at there or screamed at by any fans, that's become my favorite building. Look, I got to call a game at the Garden last month between Pitt and St. John's. I had goosebumps, absolute goosebumps calling the game from MSG on TV. You know, it's the American dream. It's what you, it's what you, it's what you dream of. It really is. And it was so special to call a game from there. Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis is so special. You truly feel the cathedral feel when you walk in there. Uh, it's like you're going inside a church. So those would be a couple of buildings that come to the pop, top of my mind. Certainly, Hinkle. I, I spent some time there with work. And then back when we were at Seton Hall together, uh, went there. They, were, they only came in at the end of my tenure there. Uh, when you, we were starting out, John was a freshman when I was a senior uh, on, on the WSU staff. So but Hingle Fieldhouse is something else. It really is. And Madison Square Garden is, is always Madison Square Garden. You so, were a senior, but you were a real fourth-year senior. There were some ninth-year seniors <laughs> that were still taking calls on Hall Line. That is true. That is true. Chris Pays is stuck. I think he's still doing the radio right now. Um, <laughs> so uh, who, who is your favorite person to work with uh, when you call games? Well, I get to work – uh, with a variety of partners. Donnie Marshall is fantastic. Donnie played at Connecticut. He's a Big East guy through and through. He played for Coach Calhoun. His stories are awesome. Vin Parisi's a guy that people might recognize from SNY. I love working with Vin. He couldn't be a nicer gentleman. He is, he is just fantastic. And then I'll tell you guys right now, I haven't worked a game with him, but I'll share with you, it's a dream. Every time I talk with Coach Raftery, every time I talk with Phil Raftery, he simply is the nicest man you'll ever come across, and he does his homework, and he is what college basketball television is all about. I love Raft. He's funny. He's witty. I'll share a great Coach Karnaseka story courtesy of Raft. Raft said that when he was coaching against Coach Karnaseka at Walsh Gym, when Louie would come in to Walsh, Raft would make sure if it was a January night, you know, 15 degrees outside, Raph would have the window cracked open all day. <laughs> so Louie would walk in and be like this, you know what? He'd have, to take, he'd have to put an extra sweater on just to get ready for the game. And hey, here's another Raph story on Louie. St. John's one time was up by 20 on seat the hall. And out of a timeout, Raph looks down to Louie and Louie's all stressed out. He's up by 20. Raph goes, hey, Louie, you want to try your offense on a 2-3 zone? And Louie goes, ah, sure. <laughs> so Raph's down 20, switches to a 2-3 zone just to give Louie some help. <laughs> That's I pretty love, awesome. I love to see it. I love, I love the Big East camaraderie. <laughs> awesome That's... stuff. And in the handshake line, Raph goes, 
Congrats, Louie, but you were up 20 on me. Go see a counselor. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. It's a great line. Who, who do you think was the biggest influence on your career? Vince Coughlin. No. Now, uh, <laughs> Don't flatter him. <laughs> I did nothing. Um, I did nothing. But, but you, were, you started on your own. You were great. I had to do nothing. So I was not involved in your career at all. Uh, I did, uh, my claim to fame is I know you. That's my claim to fame. Uh, um, you know, I, I grew up on the west side of Cleveland. And I am a lifelong Browns, Indians, now Guardians, Cavaliers fan. And my grandpa really inspired my love for sports and sports broadcasting. Uh, he, he was such a role model to me. He taught me so much. He taught me, uh, he wasn't a broadcaster, but he knew how to tell a joke and he knew how to talk. And he really got me to, to become a sports fan and to always believe, you know, believe in the Cleveland sports teams. When we'd have a bad <laughs> or a bad season, he'd keep the faith. And so I kept it after him. And uh, he, he taught me so many things about life and about, about sports. And uh, I, I'm forever grateful to him because without his inspiration, I don't know if I'd be here right now. Well, being, keeping the faith with the Cleveland sports team is really tough. Uh, your, your best sports moment was the draft day movie with uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that your all-time favorite movie? It has to be like one of your all-time No, it's Major movies. League. It's Major <laughs> League. That's Major the League, right yeah, that, that's no, the that right is answer. the right answer. Major League is yeah. the best baseball movie around. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, Major League's the best. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. So who's the best player you've ever seen in person? Wow. Man, best player I've ever seen in person? Gosh, that's a hard question. Uh, that I've cut. Let's let's. You covered, college, yeah. Best college basketball player I've covered in person. Mm -hmm. Jalen Brunson was unbelievable to cover week by week for for Villanova. He was the national player of the year the year that Trey Young went crazy. So I got to cover him up close and personal. Buddy Heal will be another. What he did back in the 2015-16 season in elevating Oklahoma was simply sensational. Uh, so he would be another guy that I would look at and say, just, man, I mean, wow. In so many ways, he, he was just incredible at just what he was able to do. And then I'll tell you what, I got to watch Paolo Bancaro's collegiate debut live for Duke wow. earlier this season. And I, I was just, I, I couldn't stop marveling at how good of a player and, and a talent Paolo is. His skill set is incredible. I mean, to be at his size, and to have the speed that he possesses, he runs the floor like a gazelle, and he could play the four. He can guard any of the five positions on the floor. I love Paolo Bancaro, and I think he's going to make a living in the league for a long, long time. Who, who do you think are the best five players in the Big East right now? Well, I think that you would have to start with Colin Gillespie at Villanova. He's averaged 19 points per game on the four-game winning streak for the Wildcats. And to the best team, I got to crown a player. Jared Roden from Seton Hall would absolutely be right there. Just the three-level score, he's become the defender that he is. He really spearheads everything Seton Hall does. So he would be right there for me at number two. Julian Champagny is scoring the ball so, so well. He's got to be on my All-Big East first team right now with just how much he means to that St. John's team and with everything that he does. So he would be right there as well. And then it gets kind of interesting, right? I mean, I, I think that if you look at this league, I don't think that Creighton has a top five player. I don't even, I don't think Marquette is a top five player. I certainly don't think DePaul, Butler, Xavier, you could make some arguments for guys, but thus far this season, I don't know if they have a top five guy. I would probably put Justin Moore in there as well from Villanova. He's been great as of late guys. And he certainly played well enough to get consideration there. And then after that, I mean, I, I think that it's a bit of a toss. -up. I don't think Georgetown has a guy. St. John's, I named Champagny, named Roden at Seton Hall. And then you've got UConn and Providence. Maybe maybe for Providence, maybe it's Nate Watson, who yeah, would be yeah. in that five slot. He, he had 22-11 and 11 against St. John's on Saturday. Nate Watson might be that other guy. So who surprised you the most when you were covering the Providence-St. John's game? For St. John's, which player surprised you the most? Well, um, interesting question. 
Aaron Wheeler would have to be the answer because I didn't expect that type of scoring performance from Wheeler. If I'm not mistaken, he ended up with 15 points in that game. He had a couple of threes. He showed his range and, and to be playing at the four spot for that St. John's team and to score the ball the way he did, he wasn't asked to score the ball that way under Matt Painter. So I was really impressed with Aaron Wheeler. I thought that he put together a really nice performance and he was the surprise of the game. I think the biggest thing for St. John's is some of the surprising players, they need to not be surprises any longer. They've got to be able to piece it together from game to game. Like for St. John's, you don't know what you're getting after Posh and Julian. That's problematic if you want to be a consistent winning team. It's true. There's been a lot of inconsistency with this team. A lot of players stepping up at times and not stepping up at others. Yep. Uh, we'll get you one last question. What's What do you think has been the biggest difference between the Chris Mullen era and the Mike Anderson era? Well, I think that with Mike Anderson, you know the way that St. John's is going to play. And they do play team basketball. Uh, I think it's a situation where you have more stability, you have a winning capability uh, in terms of there's a formula to it. Now, you could say, John, they had a bunch of transfers last offseason. They had a total of eight transfers. That's, that's even more than in the Mullen era. Here's the thing. Um, Chris Mullen, the, the fact of the matter is this. He did not have what it took day to day to be a great college coach. It's a totally different monster. College coaching is a different animal. Mike Anderson knows what it takes. There's a reason why the guy hasn't had a losing season. And I know that's the cliche line, but it's really hard to do in this sport. And over the last two decades, Mike Anderson has done that. He's done that for, for St. John's, for Missouri, um, for Arkansas, for UAB. Like, this is a guy that's won. So for me, uh, I I look at Mike and I see a guy that has been able to recruit locally. I think the next step is you've got to be able to piece it together and live up to the the higher expectations here. This was supposed to be a tournament team. So the process, the process looks different. The results though have have unfortunately been the same and St. John's fans should be clamoring here. St. John's fans deserve a tournament team. And this team should be better. Let's see if they can piece it together. Do I think they they can piece it together? I do. I do. I still think that this St. John's team can play a factor. I still think that this St. John's team is a team that can that can make noise. But you got to know what you have in your supporting cast. And right now, guys, I still don't know what, what's in this supporting cast for St. John's. True. Very true. All right. So I lied about that last question. I got one more for you. Your Big East suit, is that your go-to wedding attire? Is that what you're rocking when you go out to parties? <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, I'm not wearing that to my wedding someday. I think my wife would kill me. Um, I haven't worn that out to weddings. I should wear that more out to the club. Might get me some extra cocktails. Uh, it certainly is a party suit. It's and, great. Uh, it's, it's great. It's the best jacket ever. I mean, I, I love that jacket. It's my pride and joy. It's let's, you know, I looking in my closet right now as I'm talking to you guys on this podcast, <laughs> seeing if I can uh, see if it's around right now. Look, I oh, love it. Thing. Yeah, I got it right here. It's a beautiful jacket. There it is. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Every team logo and the conference logo, just great. Except UConn, and the UConn fans will let me know about it. Oh, geez. Because, <laughs> of, cor- because of course they will. Yeah. <laughs> naturally, naturally. Well, John, thanks for coming on. You, you guys, anytime, happy to join. Uh, I like your podcast quite a bit and uh, love the takes. And, you know, I, I, I cover all around the Big East. And here's what I can say to the St. John's fans that are listening to this. The St. John's fan base is really special. Uh, those people are passionate. They care about their hoops. And I love that. It makes my life and job easier when we got passionate fan bases. St. John's fans are passionate. Don't ever lose that passion, Johnny's fans. Don't ever lose it. Awesome. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate you you guys. Thank you. We want to thank Mr. Big East himself, John Fanta, for coming on the podcast with us. John went to Seton Hall with me. We worked at the radio station together, so I appreciate him coming on and helping us out. Personally, I I love John Fanta's suit. You can't can't beat the suit jacket. It was – it's spectacular. It's something uh, I wish I had. We should have asked him where he got it. We could we could have got it made. I mean, I know. It, it, it is an incredible suit jacket. Maybe I'll have to follow up with him, try to get the get the tailor. Because oh, yeah, that's a, that's a custom suit, no? Uh, it's got to be. You, you can't find that in the rack. 
Hey, maybe it was the uh, the guy who used to make the leather NBA jackets with all the logos all over it in the early two thousands. <laughs> could it could be? I love that he he pulled it out, pulled it right out of the closet. He, he had did. it ready. He's ready to go. Ready at a moment's notice if he needs to hop into his uh, Big East attire. I love yeah, it. I, I really wish he did get to wear it to a couple weddings. I mean, that's that's a piece right there. I, I I'm telling you, if I was him, you just you know, listen. You tell the wife, I'm committed. This is my suit jacket. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. You know, this is who I am. This is who you're marrying. This is my one sticking point at my wedding. I'm wearing <laughs> this it. jacket. I don't care you, about anything you, else. You I can just have need everything to wear this else jacket. you want. Everything well, else you want is fine. I get actually, to wear the Big East jacket. He should wear it for a couple other weddings. For his wedding, don't want the guy to get buried by his wife. <laughs> so I would say lining, suit lining. Ah, um, not, a bad, not a bad tip. Which we got to tell him about to do that. That, that would be... That would be a show right there. That sneaky. would be a move. That's sneaky. That yeah, like would be it. a move. It's a Joe Namath with his Jets liner. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's his right. jacket. That's that's good. I appreciate that, Tim. Going back to what John said, uh, his stories about Luke Carnesecca with from Bill Raftery, and and it's funny. I've heard from other people who work with Bill a lot that he's a great guy, but his stories were hysterical. I mean, yeah. leaving the window open at Walsh Gym, yeah, <laughs> that's cold, With Louis wearing the wearing the sweater helping him out testing out the zone defense i mean those are quality comedy stories that's uh, like that's like old time biggies too like absolutely which is where you could just tell the camaraderie and that kind of stuff which is which is great and, and you know i think we've started building that a little bit more in the biggies you got kevin willard and jay wright have been around for a long time you know ed cooley's been here a long time you, you, we could start to build that a little bit that same kind of repertoire as as play as coaches get further along in their biggies careers yeah, I remember. I remember. I think early in the in the uh, non conference season, there was talk that uh, all the coaches had a had a text message chain where they were all texting each other when they beat somebody from a different conference. So like, go get them tonight, that kind of stuff. Because you know, look, well, there's lots of teams in the Big East that I can't stand. At the end of the day, in the non conference, it's always better for St. John's if the Big East teams are winning. It's just absolutely it's better. It's better absolutely. for the conference. is better. So in that aspect, well, also come tournament time, those are the yeah. teams you're going to root for, for sure. It's better well, for us with, well, a few, with a few exceptions, yeah, 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 a little bit, but right. I mean, look, I'd rather them win than Duke. I mean, as long as it's not UConn or Providence, sure. <laughs> Vincent doesn't like the Northeast, the North, the, the, I shouldn't say Northeast, he doesn't like New England. I love the Northeast, it's where I, I live. You love the Northeast, it's New England you have the problem with. That's right, cut it off in New York, sell them back to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes our New Hampshire listener, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I actually love New Hampshire. Me and my wife stopped there when we were going to Maine. It's beautiful. Let's keep them in Vermont. How about that? I'm fine with that. Just cut, you know, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. Send them away. We'll keep Vermont, New Hampshire. Vermont's got great skiing. Stratton Mountain, we've been there a bunch. It's beautiful. Portland, Maine was spectacular. So we'll keep those. And then the other three, I don't know, go be your own country or something. Anyway, let's get back to St. John's talk. Let's get back to some St. John's talk. Two games this week at UConn. See, we got to go to Connecticut. You ever drive to Connecticut? It's awful. <laughs> takes you three hours. It's a small, tiny state. Takes you three hours to drive across the whole thing. All of it's a one-lane highway with no lights. It makes no sense. Well, at- I got to say for UConn, the football stadium was actually pretty fun. I was surprised by the tailgating there. We did have a good time at UConn. We did have a good time we did. there. And we, they had, we also uh, saw Boise State destroy them, which well, was spe- also spectacular. And they had Magic Hat number nine on tap, which I was very shocked. Well, Drinks in stadium, always dangerous. Yeah. Drinks, yeah, but always fun. Always, always fun. Always fun. Always fun. Right, so you got priced. one good thing out of UConn. One good yeah. thing out of UConn. Stores, not so much. Yeah. Wednesday, 8.30 p.m., Fox Sports 1. That's when we were playing the UConn Huskies. Love the late tip. Love the late night tip. I'm always for me. Fan of that. Not, not great for everybody else necessarily, but the other game this week, which we'll talk about in a minute, is Sunday, 4.30 against Georgetown. Let's get into the UConn game and talk about the Huskies. RJ Cole leads the way for them, 16 points a game. Their best player is Adam Sinogo, 14 points a game, almost seven rebounds a game, 54% from the field. He's their big man, and he's a, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with. Martin also comes in at 14 points. Sonogo and Martin actually both average almost seven rebounds a game too. This UConn team is a very talented team. They come in to this St. John's game 10 and three on the year. 
this is a team that, as John Fanta mentioned, could be some real trouble for the Johnnies. They have a great rebound margin. They're plus 7.6, which could be real dangerous for us because we've been constantly losing rebound battles. Their turnover margin is plus 3.3, but they're only turning teams over 15 times. Now, they only turn the ball over 12 times, so that may be some trouble. But as we saw against Providence, we've been able to turn teams over that don't turn the ball over. I don't necessarily agree with John so much. I love him, but I think last year St. John's beat UConn, and that team was not as talented as this team. I think this could be a game where we come out and they were a bit of a surprise. For me, it looks to God's ear, Vincent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the things we should look at is they're an athletic team, but they're not big. 6'9". Six, 6'9 nine. Six, nine is the tallest player. Yeah, but, Sin- but Sonogo is good in, inside, though. Yeah. I mean, he's six, a real nine. big man, though. Yeah, he's 6'9", I think 240. That's actually a favorable matchup for Soriano. Someone he has a little height on. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, Sonogo's a much better player. Not saying he's not, but saying it's a better matchup for him than it would be against someone like Nate Watson. I thought he did really well against Watson, though. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I just... It, I think it's an important matchup. I, yeah, I, I, I would yeah, agree I with you that it's important matchup. I, I don't I think, know if it's a great I think, matchup. I think as Soriano goes, um, we're gonna it, he, to your point, Tim. I think that's gonna be a matchup to watch. I think you know. Well, we're I'm, not. Gonna, I'm, it's, I'm it's not, it's not right, just Tim. gonna be. Soriano, I, Tim, I swear though. to God, I hope you're right. It's not just gonna be Soriano though. We're gonna throw Stanley and Nywe at him though, because that's what we do down low. And Wheeler, Wheeler's Wheeler six, now nine, too. Yeah, especially after that performance last week. I mean, that's one of the big things is their rebounding. It's not as good as people really suspect it to be. Their guards are their best rebounders. And then, honestly, their assists aren't great either. They do play a little ISO sometimes. And they got great players on the team, but against our style of defense, you don't want someone to be going ISO a lot because then you start getting picked. That's true. I think, like, what we just talked about also in the Providence game, some of these games we need to win. And this is a game where we we can win. Look, UConn's good. I'm not saying they're not good. If we, if we're a good team like we think we are, or like that we, we we've been thinking we've been all year, we need to start winning games against good teams. If we don't win games against good teams, or when it's hard, we're like, oh well, okay, whatever. And maybe we're not a good team. So, look, I'm not saying if, if we lose to UConn, is the end of the world. Again, no. I think to John Fanta's point, the week after is probably a, a critical week. Um, but the UConn game is a game again. You know. We got to start, like I said, we got to start winning some of these opportunities. UConn is coming off of a probably a deflating loss where they played really well against Seton Hall and lost in overtime. Um, so maybe we can take advantage of that. We also don't want to get in a free throw shooting battle with them. They're one of the better free throw shooting teams in the Big East. So we really want to avoid that this time. 74% on the year. They're a team who does decently from three, 33%. It's not great, but. It's solid enough. This is one of those games, like you said, Craig, where if we want to contend, if we want to be a tournament team, if we want to go further this year than the end of the season and the end of the regular season, we kind of need to win this game. We've got a little bit of, I know it's a bit of a drop down after the Providence loss, but we could pick it right back up with a win against here against UConn and head on down to the rest of our season. I mean, listen, Julian Champagne had a bad game, but he comes back you know, not with a 34-point performance, but a 28-point performance. Other guys step up. Wheeler steps up again. Posh has a good night again. Adewusu does what he does. All of a sudden, you know, we, as we talked about with John Fanta, we get the pace going. We set the pace like that. With guys like that, all of a sudden, this is, this is a game we can win. One last thing to remember about UConn is that they are ranked 14th in the net. Uh, and they're away, so this is an absolute quad one opportunity. So a big chance here for the Johnnies on Wednesday. To, uh, we need to take advantage of it. Big resume builder. Big resume builder. You're 100% right, Tim. We could use a big resume building game. That game, Wednesday, 8.30, Fox Sports 1. Let's look ahead to Sunday's matchup against Georgetown at 4.30 at Madison Square Garden. The Georgetown Hoyas come in 6-6. Six and six on the year they're led 
by Aminu Muhammad, averaging 14.4 points a game. Caden Rice, averaging 13.7 points a game. They've got two other guys averaging in double-digit points in Dante Harris and Donald Carey. They average 13 and 12.8, respectively. Fourteen, Four players averaging double-digit points. Pretty good for a team that's only 6-6. Six and six. This is a team who has had some struggles coming in at 6-6. Six and six. They have a loss home against Dartmouth. They've lost to St. Joe's. Uh, you know, lost at South Carolina, which isn't a terrible loss, but South Carolina is not a great team. T- a loss at TCU or a loss against TCU. And they're coming off, they'll be coming off of a Butler game, but their last Big East game was a loss after they were paused because of COVID. They lost to Marquette pretty big, almost by 30 points. You know, this is a, this is a game that St. John's has got to go into and say, here's a win. Here's a game that if we lose our confidence because we lost to UConn, we should come in hard to this Georgetown game and try to get our confidence back because this is a game in retrospect where we should come out and be able to handily take a lead and win the game. Georgetown is the worst team in the Big East. Based on their net, that's not even a factor. They're 192. This is a quad four game for us. We, under no circumstances, can lose on Sunday to Georgetown. I know it's a rivalry game. I know that stuff. They had a lot of players transfer out. Um, they, you know, they made that run in the tournament last year. They looked great. Th- this is not even that team. Um, we can't lose this game on Sunday. There's just for whatever we get under no circumstances can we lose that game. We have to win that game on Sunday. It's a it's an absolute must win. Um, I can't stress that enough. Yeah, and it, it you know this Georgetown team is not necessarily playing into St. John's's hands. I should say, it, you know, they their turnover margin is minus 1.2 which isn't terrible but you know they they turn the ball over 14 times that's a good number for st john's uh they turn teams over 13 times which isn't great and you know st john's has had trouble there rebound margin they are plus five but you know that's a battle we should win actually this time st john's win the rebound battle against georgetown will almost certainly win the turnover battle you know if we rely on the three pointers and we come up five of 22 again, then Georgetown can stick around and be in the game. If we shoot 40% from the free throw line, like we have recently, Georgetown can stick around in the game. If instead this team comes out and plays like they should play, we should be able to take a win here pretty easily. Now it's St. John's, right? We play to the level of our competition always. So does that mean it's going to happen? Most likely not. Does Georgetown always cause us problems even when we don't expect them? always so you never know what you're going to walk into but this georgetown team is a is a shell of its former self as craig mentioned before and really is not a team that you can look at and say well they might come up and sneak you most likely not they're going to play to form and if that's the case it's looking like we're going to get a w on sunday my fear about that is this is the same way we talked about the pittsburgh game and that didn't turn out so well for us um, so, uh, maybe it's just MSG. Maybe it's to scare me a little bit, but, um, it, like I said, we got to win this game. Um, maybe we can exercise some of those demons from the Pittsburgh game, um, at the garden, get into the flow of the garden, which as we get later into the season, we've got a couple of big games coming up at the garden, seen hall, uh, we'll have Nova. So, um, those are the games we're going to have to, so this is a good way to get acclimated to the garden, get used to the shooting, all that stuff. Guys who haven't played there really get in the flow, but I know they played the Pittsburgh game, but that was without Julian. So this will be a little different. We'll be at full strength, knock on wood, um, and really go and take care of business and, and then move on and keep the season going. I'm interested to see if uh, Muhammad and Mathis end up getting matched up against each other, both uh, Maryland kids. So mm. that would be interesting. And, the one thing I'm hoping we don't see is one of the things that's weird against St. John's is if there's a guy that doesn't average great points stats, stat wise, that's above seven foot, but just super lanky, they somehow have good games against us. They'll come out and have seven points when they average three, or they'll have eight rebounds when they average two, and then have like four or five blocks. Dikembe Matumbo's son is on that team. Ryan Matumbo. He's a freshman. He's 7-2. Just weird gut feeling that something's going to be annoying about him. <laughs> I think um I think I'm gonna pick my uh 
St. John's hometown guy. No, not St. John's hometown guy. I should say, who's the guard that's going to hit all the threes that shouldn't make the threes? I'm going to go with Dante Harris, who shoots 22.9% from three-point land. But on at MSG next Sunday, my guess is it'll be somewhere closer to the 55% mark. Let's hope not. All right, that game, 430 Sunday on Fox. Just take a look at the Big East standings here real quick before we wrap up. UConn is one and two in the Big East. They're actually right below us because we are one and one by virtue of not playing. Georgetown almost all the way at the bottom. They're 0 and 1 because they were on a pause. They've only played one game. Oddly enough, the only team below them in the standings are the DePaul Blue Demons, who despite being good on the season are 0 and 5 in Big East play, which unfortunately for DePaul, who looked like they were going to have a great season, it seems they've fallen into their old ways now that Big East play is hit. So it's unfortunate for the Blue Demons, but St. John's will look to maintain you know, the middle of the pack here with some wins against UConn and Georgetown this week. Big East is tough, man. Top to bottom. It's, it, it's, it's arguably, well, I guess maybe you could say the big 12, but the big, big East really top to bottom, big, one of the best conferences in the country. And so for DePaul, I feel for you at own five because they, they were, like you said, they're playing well in non-conference, but then they come into uh big East playing as a different animal. All right. That'll do it for the show this week. Just want to shout out our listeners. We had our best episode last episode, our highest listened to episode. So thank you for listening. We got some some listens all across the country and our listeners in Europe in Dublin and Brussels. You guys keep it going. Uh, we also want to shout out Redstorm Polls for hitting us up on Twitter and and you know supporting the podcast. So thank you all. Thank John Fanta again for Craig and Tim. I'm Vincent. Thanks for listening. Let's go, Johnny's. Keep chasing.